Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your hosts here every week. My name is Dave Gurney. I am with Joe Hilliard and another great returning guest here. I'm going to guess he's maybe one of Joe's favorites. <laughs> They're all my favorites, David. <laughs> Anthony Zuccalillo. Hello, guys. Hey. Glad to have you back, Anthony. Thank Glad you for being be here. And it's really important that we have a uh, psychologist on board this week because I think we're going to be plumbing the depths of the human psyche. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say we we're going to plumb the depths of basic dog psychology. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I do have, have you some studied? You've studied some canine psychology. I have not. I read oh. about it about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, b- before we get into any such heady topics <laughs> as as canine psych, I think uh, we should get some beer in our glasses, uh, guys. So, I have brought for us this evening a beer from a brewery that has been on the podcast many times before. I know they're in the Five Timers Club, no doubt. Yeah. Um, this is Martin House Brewing Company out of Fort Worth, Texas. People recognize the name. Good, good Foley work there, Anthony. Uh, this is their big surge. Uh, it is a blue coconut sour. And oh my God, you just poured that. That is. It's like a Smurf. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like I'm getting a slush puppy or something here. What? what oh my God. Um, blue coconut sour with lactose and vanilla. So, uh, yeah, de- definitely something different. And the can art got a beautiful wave cresting and this uh, surfer, surfer lady, surfer gal out there on her board uh, riding that wave. Totally appropriate for the film we're going to be talking about in the first half of the episode. But before we get there, already I've talked about the blue on this and that's a lot of head you have there Joe yeah I didn't uh, pour well but I tell you what <laughs> all of this carbonation has released what smells like a pina colada yeah. it does smells, it yes okay. it smells like a pina colada that is blue this is going to be an interesting one well yeah it could go either way you know it's like it, it, this is one that I think right out of the gate would turn off a lot of beer drinkers who, who get upset about the fruit additions and the you know kettle souring and all and all those kind of things um that, that are looked at as gimmickry but um but for those adventurous beer drinkers who maybe like different flavors incorporated in or maybe even non-beer drinkers who are looking for something that they can drink with their pals um what you know that that doesn't taste like uh, bud light or miller light or something th- this might be an option i don't know I'm, yeah i'm definitely <laughs> getting the coconut on yeah, the nose now no that doubt. i went in for a, a little sniff um well, I'm excited to try it. It's it's gonna potentially wow. Uh, you know, th- this might not be a wave that I can ride, but we'll <laughs> find out pretty soon here. A- and why is that so appropriate, Joe? The climax of Point Break is nothing but the biggest wave surge that has happened in a qu- in a half of a century. Fifty year storm. We said last week that we had no intention of doing Guardians of the Galaxy, so we put it to our Discord users. You can join our Discord and should. Uh, at uh, If you're at Discord, search Beer in a Movie. The conversation continues. Or just DM us and we'll get you an invite. We would love to have you there. It's a lot of fun. We put it to the Discord users. We don't know what we're going to do. You're going to choose it for us. And there was a lot of great uh, suggestions. We put those suggestions into a poll and point break one by a landslide. 
After a string of bizarre bank robberies in Southern California with the crooks donning masks of various former presidents, a federal agent, Johnny Utah, played by Keanu Reeves, infiltrates a suspected gang. But this is no ordinary group of robbers. They're surfers, led by the charismatic Bodie, played by Patrick Swayze, who are addicted to the rush of thievery. But when Utah falls in love with a female surfer, Tyler, played by Lori Petty, who is close to the gang, it, it complicates rather his sense of duty. Point break. I know a movie that we've all seen before, all three of us, surely. Many times. Yeah, I don't know about many times, but oh. definitely I have seen it. Oh. Well, the, I, it just, I, you know, it, 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 there's those films that you kind of like wander into. They, they happen to be on cable when you're right. available. Or this what, is on cable had, a lot. When I had cable. And, and it is. I know it is. But it just wasn't one that I happened to stumble upon with a lot. on a regular basis. This is one I never turn off. Never. Wow. Okay. Anthony, so your, I, I Anthony, your lips, something. your lips and teeth are blue. I assume <laughs> that mine are as well. I'm not. St- don't change it. This is what. This is where we're going. Oh, there's, there's a. This is where we're going. Joke in here somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Stay tuned for after hour. That's yeah. right. Um, I had seen. I've seen this a couple of times. I know this is. This has become. It, it was a big hit. This movie when it came out, but I know that it's become a bit of a cult classic, probably because of the frequency that it plays on cable. Everyone can quote it. Everyone knows the synopsis. Everyone can quote along. Um, it is Keanu Reeves at his most Keanu Reeves. I'm talking wooden, stilted acting. And uh, uh, Patrick Swayze at his most Patrick Swayze. Charismatic as hell in this movie. Um, Lori Petty, me and the buddy I was watching it with are like, who considered her like a, a, a worthwhile romantic lead? But, but okay. Oh, I don't know. I think I think she has like a tomboyish charm. She does, definitely. It, yes. that, uh, it, it, that works for the surfer persona. I, I think it works out. Never question the uh, Lori Petty uh, casting. No. <laughs> Damn you. No, that's okay. Um, but I mean, I, I don't Where do we begin? Okay, first of all. This is the first time that I paid attention to the idea that it's directed by Catherine Bigelow, yeah. who, of course, has oh, gone wow. on to... Oh, Okay. I, I didn't uh, have that piece together in my database in my brain, but um, has, of course, gone on to now Academy Award-winning uh, director, Catherine Bigelow. And I think, though, maybe we could start with the idea that this is... Di- forget the acting. Forget the what, what's happening on screen. It's directed very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What you you let us into that as if as if you knew that we had great things to say about <laughs> the directing in particular, Joe. If you have something to say, you go ahead and give it. I, to I us. just think that I mean the the pacing, the editing, the okay, the, okay. the idea of the fact that there are some beautiful shots of nature from the sky and the surf. Okay, um, and the idea that I mean, if you're casting this thing, what 1989, 1991? Sorry, 1989 is the film we'll talk about in the second half. Right. It's probably cast as well as it could have been for as far as drawing young stars that had star power. This is yeah. post Dirty Dancing, post uh, Roadhouse, post Bill and Ted. So yeah. I mean, these are marquee names. Yeah, this was the this was really this his well Bill and Ted, um, and then this was re- really the start of his uh, ascendancy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the start. Now, I, I feel like and we were just because I think it was when we were talking about Wick. But, uh, you know, there was I think he hadn't really established fully his star power until probably speed, which was just a yeah. bit after this. But you're right. This is on the ascendancy. This was definitely Swayze and Reeves in a film together was a bit of a draw in and of itself. 
the surfing piece of it, I think, was a huge draw yeah. as well. And all those are shot really beautifully. There's a lot of underwater scenes. Uh, was a scene where Keanu Reeves takes a big spill and Brody meets him by pulling him up out of the water. I thought that was shot really beautifully. And, I mean, all of the surfing scenes, you know, that we've seen in so many surf movies, but close-ups, they're probably on a raft of some kind as the actor surfs by them. I thought it was done really well. The, the foot chase scene, um, in terms of direction, like mm-hmm. that, that's the one thing that always stands out to me because, yeah. you know, that was better than your average foot chasing absolutely um, going through those like little alleys and yeah, backyards and how yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah um so i think that that's where kind of when i think about Catherine bigelow's uh contribution to this like that's the scene i always think about yeah i i think the heist scenes too the or the bank robberies i guess that those are shot really well and uh there, there's like you know she is an action director mm-hmm. and even in her academy award winning projects right yeah. uh which the hurt locker zero dark 30 was nominated but you know locker won. um you know those films i think are known for these sort of action set pieces even though they go deeper and, and more into i would say character psychology than this film probably gets though i think there's an attempt there um that you know she is somebody i think who has established herself as a real uh, somebody who can bring action to the big screen in a way that's compelling and different too. Not not just your average run of the mill fight yeah. scene. Not just your average run of the mill chase scene. The aerial stuff here, right? Yeah. With the with the skydiving, yeah. Uh, which is you know again like you know going into it, this is a surfing movie. It's point a, break, uh-huh. right? I mean the the title alone and the and the the poster and the imagery. But I don't think going into it the first time I quite realized how much there was going to be this skydiving element to it that becomes rather important and there's a couple really intense scenes as i understand it uh swayze did all of his own uh uh parachuting skydiving for the movie uh you can see when the actors are on a rig and they're blowing a jet engine or some kind of high-powered fan up at them to simulate the cuts are a little jarring there but when you can see that that's Patrick Swayze or that's Keanu Reeves and they are skydiving, I thought that was thrilling and fun. Yeah. Um, but hmm. <laughs> oh, I think that the uh, the basic like ta- like um, log line of the film, the sales pitch of the film, would have been solid in 1989, 1990 when they're developing this thing. Um, the the four presidents, the masks, the fine, fine, fine little thing that they do. They got a bank robber. Bank, I, bank I, robbers got to wear a mask. Beyond and, fine. I watched this with Adela, and I said, "This is iconic. Yeah. This is <laughs> these robbery scenes. I think stand out as some of the most remembered yeah. robbery scenes in cinema history. I think. I guess where the movie that doesn't fall apart. It is a snapshot of stars in 1991. And Keanu Reeves does, I think, what he did in Dracula here, which is do the best he can with the cadence that he has to offer. John Wick works so well for him because he doesn't speak very much. But the emoting of of Keanu Reeves, the when he's that's it when he's when he's emotion filled, yeah. and he is many times in this movie, it just comes Firing across that gun into the air. <laughs> Or right before he jumps out of the plane. You never miss. Yeah. I miss. Oh, God. 
fuck it and he jumps out of the plane with no parachute and right. no plan for in case oh, he, he can't re- reach he's got, he's got the plan and you don't you, that's all in the eyes and me and it. me and my watching buddy just laughed and laughed there's a lot of stupid in this movie i guess is what i'm trying to say there, there are there are some stupid moments and in the film. i we i guess we uh keep them you know we say that they're okay because of the time that this was yeah. made with the start it was made with yeah, yeah, I'm be- I'm super super fond of this movie, and and actually don't even hate the remake. Uh, believe it or not, haven't seen it. Um, worth a watch. It's not great, um, but it's interesting. They tried to do their own spin on it. Um, I wasn't offended as a fan of the first movie. I wasn't like, oh my god, this is sacrilege <laughs> that you would. It didn't. It didn't feel like they were trotting on like sacred yeah. ground. <laughs> no, okay, no. Okay. Um, not at all. Th- uh, this, yeah, this doesn't feel like a sacred. As much as I said, like those high school, like. There's stuff from this film that I think is iconic. It it has this sort of people who've seen it, which are many, right? And, and again, it, it had a great box office run, but then it also has done well on cable. Yeah. And so we know that. And, you know, it, a lot of people have seen this, much referenced, quotes pulled from, oh, all, yeah. all that stuff. Um I still don't think it's a film that very many people look at as like sacred. It's something oh, yeah. like, oh, this is untouchable. It's not like they're remaking The Godfather or they're or they're remaking uh, Jean Dielman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is interesting to me that like Point Break, you look at it and go, yeah, deserves a remake, requires a remake. To me, that's just like lazy producing. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, well, Anthony, you say it. Eh, it's worth a watch. Okay, I mean, okay. you know. Who are the stars of that one? I don't even know. Oh, I don't. People who did not use it as a good springboard. No, no. The, the, um, I don't remember exactly the, when it came out. Yeah. But it wasn't like Paul Walker and, you know. No, the, the whoever played the Bodhi character. I'm looking at it yeah, right now. Um, Edgar Ramirez. Ramirez yeah. And, and I, I would, Luke Bracey. Yeah. yeah. And they've both been in other stuff. Um, he, he was wooden, um, kind of like Keanu. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But kind of like what the first one did, where it was nice to look at. The remake was nice to look at. Sure. It was just different things that was nice to Imagine. look at. Well, I do think a big attraction here is is that you know, like again, this action photography, the surfing footage, the the skydiving. It, so, so you can't get rid of that. Um, but to go back to what Joe was saying about Keanu in this film, I'd say, as opposed to Dracula, which we just recently reviewed and and definitely found his acting to be wanting lacking however we want to say that um in that film it does not hinder this film in that way in fact i would say given the character he's playing and that this is like sort of a fresh out of the academy fbi agent the fact that he's kind of wooden and stilted and stuff it it kind of fits the character to a certain extent um you know he's a He's known as a, a, a an all star quarterback, right? He had been he had played for Ohio, Ohio State. State. Okay, yeah, um, you know, with a name like Johnny Utah, right? Uh, echoing Johnny Unitas, the which he even gets called at yeah. a certain point there. Um, so you know, I think it works pretty well, and the and what he gets surrounded by, I think, helps make that work. In, in particular, I'm thinking of somebody who I don't feel like gets enough praise for his performance in this film. Uh, and and that's uh, John McGinley. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, Harp, especially yeah. in the first, you know, forty-five minutes hour of this film, uh, as as their director, you know, FBI director uh, Ben Harp, John McGinley is just like textbook asshole chief. Sure. That, you know, like you you look in the dictionary for like 
the chief who gives a hard time to the good cops trying to bust the guys yeah. and like not letting them break the rules the way they should be able to break. <laughs> he does a great job. Yeah. And he's just seething rage yeah. filled like you, you guys, you know, anger me at every turn and I'm going to let you know it and I'm going to put you down and put you in your place. And to the point to where we haven't mentioned his name yet, Gary Busey, who plays uh, <laughs> Angelo Pappas. This is one of the weirdest Gary Busey roles because he comes across as almost like level-headed and reasonable in yeah. certain ways. I mean, he is kooky still. I mean, it's still Gary Busey. But I was watching it with Adela, and I'm like, I swear in most films you see him in, he is easily the strangest thing in that film. Right. Here, he's actually somewhat tamed and tamped down. Yeah, he, um, you know, we all know the plot. Uh, Lori Petty, his now girlfriend, is uh, kidnapped by Brody as the insurance policy. I'm just going to get you... Bodie. Bodie. You, you've said Brody a couple times. Oh. Bodie. Yeah, come on. Apologies. This, is a, this may you're not right. be a sacred film, but Bodie is a sacred Bodie, name. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I won't argue with that. Um, and so, and they coerce him, or I guess, what would you call that? Like, entrap him in, in being involved Black in, Black a, bank, in yeah. a bank robbery. Yeah. And then Gary Busey comes in, and uh, John C. McKinley says just one thing too much, and you know Gary Busey punches his superior, who now he will be fired, it knocks him out, yeah, in front of many, many people. Well, he, it's I mean, all right because he he dies pretty quickly there. That's a good point. <laughs> good, good point. So he'll never really suffer those repercussions. Good, good point. Yeah, uh, but and that, to me, that's just part of the stupid of it all. And and you know, it's it's a it's a fun well, and it's, it's a, a fun enjoyable ride. It's a moment, and I I believe if my memory serves me correctly, even if it doesn't, I'm glad I remember it this way. It's like I'll print the legend. I think the audience guffawed rather loudly sure. and cheered when he, you know, respect your elders, right, whatever right, that right. line yep. is. That, yeah. We have to say uh, James LaGrosse's name. He appears yeah. as Roach. And then we have to say Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> yeah. If we didn't say Anthony Kiedis, we'd be fired as podcast hosts of a movie podcast because he is incredible. As a rock star trying to be an actor, he does a fantastic job in that character. Yeah. When he gets his foot shot and screams that way, it looks <laughs> exactly the way I would probably scream if it were me yeah. and then the other name um, that's on the cast that I think deserves a mention is Tom Sizemore yeah very small and uncredited yeah. yeah whenever he comes in as a DEA agent and after Anthony Kiedis and his drug buddies right. get their foot shot because they aren't the bank robbers it turns out that they have blown uh, Tom Sizemore's entire case yeah. and um I don't like my hair like this, man. It was just, <laughs> yeah. it was just I don't like wearing these clothes. Yeah. Like, my it, wife it, wants me out of the Ramada. He, he yeah. Did, yeah, and, and I liked him in that smaller role doing a very good job because you can see exactly how, how good of an actor he was. Yeah. I mean, Tom Sizemore. Rest, yeah. rest in peace. Of rest in peace for sure, yeah. Um, it, and, you know, I mean, it's been much longer, but Swayze, right? I mean, this, oh, yeah. this is this yeah. is a Swayze-filled episode we're doing. Okay, so there's a little hint, folks, at where we're heading in the second half. But... Uh, you know, I, I watching this film again, it reminds me that I really did. Like you said, there is like a charisma, a soulfulness that comes through in Patrick Swayze that I think often took the material that he was put into that was probably not grade A material on some level and actually elevated it just yeah. by him being there, the one sort of channeling that character. So, And, and I think that's 
the way that Bodie is too. Like I think other performers, that's the tougher role. I think if you would put Reeves in that Ooh. role, that would have been a yeah. real mistake. I remember if this was 91, I know I saw it in the theater. I would have been a freshman in college. And by then I'd done some tequila shots. I didn't do them as good as Bodie did. <laughs> when he's got the lime in the girl's mouth and yeah, takes well, the... Well, Tyler taught him how to do that. Yeah. yeah. I like what... I like... What does she say? I like... Uh, it's fun or whatever. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I, I remember there being a bit of uh, flash eroticism there. Like, I, I need to figure out how... Well, how do I do a tequila shot like that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it takes different genetics. Well, Anthony, you brought notes. I can't imagine that we've covered everything that you've written down. <laughs> Mostly character names. Uh, <laughs> just because I'm super, super bad with that, and I didn't want to. This it. is, I mean, this is one of those. I mean, I, so I, you know, I was a stickler for Bodie just a moment ago. I, Johnny Utah, we've already talked about Angelo Pappas, yeah. the, Ben Harp. Like these are like really, I don't know. There's something very. Um, meaty about these names just like hearing these character names is enough to like unlock in my mind the point break vibe you know what i mean like mm -hmm. all i have to do is hear johnny utah yep. or you know um it says the film came close to production in 1986 with matthew broderick johnny depp val kilmer and charlie sheen all being considered to play the johnny utah yeah. character with oh, wow. ridley scott directing Right. I mean, so you could tell this is a Hollywood script that had been circulating around for quite a while waiting for the right director and the right stars. And it came well, to this. Yeah. Is, is perfect, I suppose. And the, and the thing that I hadn't really, if I had read it about it, I had forgotten. Um, but, but watching it again and, and reading up a little bit about it, like this was a film that was conceived and brought to production during that period that Bigelow was married to Cameron. Yeah. And this is the film that they sort of worked most closely together on. In fact, I think some people have claimed that, you know, he or he's talked about that he did quite a bit of work on the script that, you know, he doesn't get credited or anything. And, and, and I don't think he says it in a way to take away from what she did, but neither of them are credited as screenwriter, right? I think it's uh, yeah. uh, Peter, Peter Illiff. Yeah. yeah. Who gets the the screenwriting credit but you know from what i understand the two of them working together punched up the script quite a bit to get it to the point where they were comfortable bringing it to production yeah and i think it's his first executive producer credit okay yeah yeah so yeah. i mean it was yeah yeah he helped yeah. he helped get this so so it's kind of interesting and you know another little bit of trivia that that uh i i hadn't remembered but this came out the weekend after the premiere of Terminator 2. Okay. And so Terminator 2 was still at the top. I think this took the number two spot. Oh. So Cameron had, you know, wow. pictures that he was attached to. One very deeply, the other one a little bit less so. But still, one and two at the box office uh, that summer of 1991. Yep. Um, it, and I definitely remember Terminator 2. We'll have to do that at some point on the podcast. We should probably talk soundtrack. Oh, for sure. Uh, 1991, it's a nice little snapshot of it. You got some rat on there. Um, <laughs> You do. I had but, forgotten about the rat. But there's some deeper stuff. On, I mean, in in terms of like things, the love song, seven and seven is mm -hmm. is something that I had no awareness of when I saw this film back in the day. I don't like I said I had not seen it on cable like you guys had in the intervening almost you know thirty plus years. But um, but I've certainly become acquainted with love since then. And hearing that and being used over the surf footage, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. It's kind of it's a surf rock inspired song, at least in the way they do the instrumentation. Love that. 
Um, you have L.A. Guns on there, <laughs> one of Aaron's favorites. So that's and, a, and they rounded out with some Jimi Hendrix and Ice T and Cheryl Crow. So I mean, a little bit for everybody. Public Image Limited. I mean, it's it's a really eclectic kind of soundtrack with a lot of you, you know burgeoning alternative. Right. This is right before the alternative yep. '90s hits. So this the thing that I hadn't even remembered um, was the Wire Train mm. song. Who I love Wire Train. Hate that song though. Really? Uh, oh my god! Th- this is classic '90s soundtrack stuff. I mean, the the, uh, the name of the song was "I Will Not Fall." Yeah. During a surfing montage. Oh yeah. You know, so it's oh, come like on. it was so. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, I, yeah. It it a very ham fisted like you you could have yes I the, the 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 thing about both of the movies we'll be talking about tonight is that they're just that was a period of time that where the films were just riddled with cliches yeah. and and. That's that song was so on the nose that I just I was like, ew, I don't even I can't even enjoy this song because it's funny because I think that this is the soundtrack that even introduced me to who they were oh. like them being a band. Not, not that I necessarily love it or whatever, but I do remember like a friend of mine and I being at a record store and seeing a wire train record and being like, oh, they have that song on the Point Break <laughs> I liked this movie. Then I liked it. Now it is uh, incredibly stupid and fun in its stupidity, and I would call this almost a perfect party film. Almost a perfect party film. What 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 holds it back from being perfect, Joe? Um, I don't want to use that kind of superlative loosey goosey. Okay. Okay. Uh, when we get to the perfect one, we'll know. It's like pornography. Uh, you don't know <laughs> you exactly. Know you know it when you see it. This is near perfect, though, because if you put this on in uh, on a party, in a, at, a, at a party with the sound down, you will get a collection around the screen and you will get a request that we turn it up for this part of that part. You will, period. Yeah. I thought that part of the criteria for party film was it had to be kind of unknown so that people looked at it and were like, oh, no, what no, the no. hell is no, no, this? No, no, no. Yeah, it no, can't, no. That, I think I mean, it that, can that, work that way. I think it's anything that has like, that that people won't necessarily feel like they have to fully invest in, but it's going to capture people's attention in certain moments yeah. and, you know, get them. But then maybe the party can still go on. It's not going to be a party stopper. No. But it's a entertaining. No, element. but every, everyone that walks by the screen on the way to the keg is going to say, "Oh my God, Point Break!" And then you know, then go get their beer. Well, in right. that case, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've covered a lot. I here. think we have. Uh, but but I do want to just throw in for the idea that these, you know, I think think this particular combination of people, again, Busey, Reeves, Swayze, McGinley, uh, Petty, Ketis, I'll even put it, you know, like this constellation of figures that came together, it feels like a very specific kind of snapshot of 1991, right? And even just up to the soundtrack that we were talking about, the mix of the sort of glammy hair metal. No chili peppers. That's weird, though. Yeah, that is a funny, you know, it's almost like a, it feels intentional at that point. Right. Like, right. Are you guys avoiding? I'll be in it, but fuck you. I'm not putting my music on this thing. Um, But still, but then like things that are kind of looking forward to like the alternative boom that's about to happen in the 90s. It feels like a film that is this sort of gateway between the 80s action film and then what's going to come in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Not necessarily in terms of, well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of what would define 90s action more Matrix. specifically. Well, the late 90s, late 90s, right. Yeah, you get I'm there looking, by, by the end of the decade. And I up. guess that makes sense, but I, I don't see a lot of glimmers of Matrix here. But it does feel like a very specific moment. You're right, it was not 99, so. Being captured here that it, it's it's nostalgic for me. I mean, I agree with Joe. This isn't great storytelling necessarily i mean there's and i got a point to the like i think the most glaring logical gap here is once he's like chased after them and he's had Bodie at gun or you know within his sights they're making eye contact i know Bodie has his mask on why does he agree to go with them on that skydiving mission it makes no goddamn sense and i know there's a little moment where he like reaches for the gun but i think i I don't know. It, that that moment didn't make sense to me back then. It still doesn't make sense to me now. There's a there's a moment where he also like sees his badge and tries to hide it. And I almost get this read like maybe he didn't see. Well, like maybe he doesn't know. Maybe well, that, we're still buds. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It feels it's so weird. It's weird. Impossible. Like you just chased this guy down. Yeah, he was wearing a mask, but you chased him down and you were you know ready to shoot him. Oh, well. 94 Speed, 96 The Rock, 90, yeah, 96 yeah, yeah. Okay. Independence That's, Day. Well, there you go. This definitely sets us up for speed. Very 97 Conair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. This I think this is the bridge from, from the like macho Stallone, Schwarzenegger, you know, that big muscle guy led action flick into something where it could be somebody who's, yeah, still attractive and more attractive and handsome, <laughs> one might say, um, but less having to be like the, the bodybuilder type to, to come off as a 93, the fugitive. Star. I mean, you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, 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 Air Force One's in there too. Yeah, so Harrison yeah. Ford's on the descent. Although well, that's, I'm that, not calling those two films his descent, but he's at the top maybe of his powers and then about right. to. Uh, well, and, and that and that makes sense too because he he's definitely not of that bodybuilder type no. either. So yeah. So point break. There's there's one thing that I'm going to see if either of you caught. Okay. Okay. Because I had never caught it before, but maybe because of the pairing, uh, did you uh, catch anything interesting that um, Keanu Reeves might have said to Angelo about trailing uh, Bodie? I'm not remembering right now. What 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 is it? He was talking about whatever his day was, and at one point he said that he stopped to eat at Patrick's Roadhouse. Okay. Oh. My, my buddy said the same thing, and Roadhouse came out two years prior. So was that some kind of homage? I mean, does that sound like unintentional? You know, that doesn't sound like a coincidence. No. I mean, it could have literally been the name of any restaurant. It was a throwaway line. Sure. Right. But put something in that references yeah. another case. Yeah, no, I, 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 I it went by. I did yep. not. But that's it's 1991 Easter egg. Yeah, there you go. Nice, nice. Well done. Well done. Well, so I mean, without a doubt, the again, like I said, the climax of the film. Eight months, nine months later, Utah has tracked Bodie down to uh, the the 50 year old 50 year wave that he had talked about earlier in the film. Bell's Beach lets him go to its imminent death. And then tosses his FBI badge into the ocean. His job is done. That's right. That's right. That was a big surge, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. 50-year <laughs> storm. That's going to make a big surge. I don't have a mirror in front of me, but I know that my lips and my teeth are blue. My yeah. tongue is blue. What did y'all think of this? This is a Martin House's Blue Surge. A blue coconut sour with lactose and vanilla, 7.5 ABV. 
I will say this. I settled into it, but I think Anthony saw it. Like my first <laughs> sip on this was like, what the? It It's so much more sour than I typically want beers to be. It, it it's, it's not what you expect from the odor either. I was thinking it was going to be a pleasant kind of uh, fruity, co- coconut, tropical, fruity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the coconut's there much more on the nose than it is in the flavor. I'm definitely getting the like blue raspberry, like fake sugary, but then, you know, like sweet and sour thing going on. Yeah. Um, Uh, I'm glad we had this. This is one of those beers that I'm glad we had. I guess I recommend it because I think you will also have a fantastic one-off experience. But the blue lips, tongue, and teeth that I've referenced now three times is off-putting as a like <laughs> fully enjoyable experience. Right. As, as an adult man, you, yeah. you don't want to be... But like, it, it looks like we're drinking yeah. a cocktail that you'd get at a bar at Total Recall, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It, it smells like a Mai Tai, but it has a very a coconutty but sour taste that is very interesting. But I don't... I think it's a gimmick, and I don't think that I wouldn't go back for more of the gimmick. Did either of you find this medicine-y? Because that's what I was well, it, getting. It pours like NyQuil. Yeah. Huh. And I got all of the, you know, the coconut, the vanilla. I got all that on the nose. Yeah. Little bit in the flavor, but it just finished super medicine-y for me. And, like, it, the, the, the lingering taste yeah. is not pleasant. And I like sour. So I didn't yeah. hate this, but... Well, and I don't hate all sours. I just, I feel like this is one that's going for that, like, kind of extreme version of it that I don't always appreciate as my and and like Joe said I do think I would put this under that category of gimmick beers where like you know it's one thing if you think you have like a really interesting flavor combination to put together that's gonna impress people this feels more like a okay we we can put these flavors together it feels like a beachy beer and then we'll make it look like the bluest wave you've ever seen I don't know (laughs) we had well when we did Avatar we uh Paired it with um, Blue Sea. Oh yeah. By I'm I'm trying to look it up, but yeah. I was hoping that you'd remember. I don't. Uh, and that was a bluish tinted beer that doesn't stain your mouth. Yeah. And it was a sour, and it was very delightful. Yeah. So vamp while I find that. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be done more subtly. That's that's, that's <laughs> it, exactly what and, I'm saying. And, and in a way that's pl- more pleasing to us. But like you say, I think that you know if you want that experience, know it's here for you, right? Sun like, Lab. Okay. Yes. Yes. Out of absolutely. Miami. That's a yeah. that's a superior beer to this. Also a fruited sour. I would agree. Yes. And that was blue, like blue, blue, but not no. this, not this kind of no outrageous blue. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're batting at least fifty percent, maybe seventy five as we enter into our second half. If you haven't read the title, you might have pieced some clues together. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to discuss this one. Yeah. Agreed. When we get back. We're back. All right. Uh, This uh, second half I'm looking forward to because, uh, well, you know, we're staying with the Swayze, so that's that's always a good thing. And uh, these may be the first Patrick Swayze films we've done. I think... Shame. We have not done Donnie Darko or like some film that he's got a small role. Well, that's in. what I'm wondering. I, we like, did not. Uh, we haven't done Dirty Dancing. No. Haven't no. done Ghost. No. Haven't done Ghost. You haven't done Young Blood. No. Haven't oh, done uh, Red Keanu Dawn. Reeves. 
Oh. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's there's good oh. possibilities for us covering some of these films in the future. But this, so this is an exciting episode. We got Swayze back to back with Swayze. We definitely need some beer in our glass, we do. Joe. We do. This is the tenth time that we're enjoying. I guess we're creating. Well, there's a couple of beers that would already, a couple of breweries that would already be in the ten timers club. Yeah. But if we have that, and why don't? Why shouldn't we? Yeah. Real Ale just joined it. Real Ale out of Blanco, Texas, uh, long-time listeners know, it was one of my big um, footstep beers on my craft beer journey was Real Ale helped mm-hmm. me get there. This is called their Three on the Tree Lager. Uh, it says uh, on the website, named for a throwback to simpler times and designed for throwing one back during simple times. Simple times. That's perfect for what we're doing now. <laughs> Smooth and easy as a weekend drive, this crisp rice lager uh-oh, will wash away all your worries. Bright and light as a spring breeze, it pairs wonderfully with flavorful foods, whether they're from a spicy boiling pot or a seasoned backyard smoker. And I learned just before we started recording that three on the tree is a term having to do with an automatic stick shift, like a gear shift lever that was mounted to the steering column in um cars prior to 1970s very nice the, the, this is as translucent a beer as i have seen look at how uh just you know that light straw color i mean just just barely a pale yellow that we're, that we're seeing here as a rice lager i mean this is sort of in leagues with your budweiser right and 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 that so it'll be interesting to see if real ale can take a style that joe usually turns his nose up at i'm a little bit more forgiving towards uh, and, and can make it something that you want to celebrate and in case i didn't mention it we're taking a step down we're going 4.8 abv on this bad that's boy. right yeah and the first one i think did we say it was seven and a half i think was yeah. where we were yeah close <laughs> are, are you getting out your uh, your slide guitar here? What, what's <laughs> you get your eyes on the road, your head upon the wheel. Well, hey, J- Joe is uh, of course bringing out that blues rock uh, to to signal that we are heading on down the road. Not just to anywhere, but to a very special destination. That is the 1989 American action film directed by none other than Rowdy Harrington. How do you? That, what better action director name is there than Rowdy Harrington? Can can somebody? Okay, I can't think of anything. But he also directed Gladiator. No, to be clear, <laughs> yeah, no, not with Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. No, and... <laughs> different. I was looking through his. Um, like he no, was, he was the best it, boy on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four, oh. and, and he was a grip on Repo Man. So, well, that's it. So he we've, comes with a pedigree. We've, yeah. we've we've seen some of his work when we did Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so Rowdy Harrington made this film Roadhouse. Okay, and just saying that name, I'm sure that most of our listeners already there. I'm gonna say the amygdala. Would that light up from no? What 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 lights up when you get really like the pleasure center? What what would be what part of the brain would we no? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's your I, roadhouse it's, gland. Yeah, your roadhouse gland. There you go. Amygdala it, is more fear. We would have talked okay, about fear. we would have talked about that. Well one. that too. I mean, well, God, when it when it comes to throat ripping, yeah. I mean that, I'm fearful of that. I, ever since I saw this movie, I'm worried somebody's gonna grab my throat and just rip it out. Uh well, okay. So who's gonna rip out my throat? That would be James Dalton. Um, he is a professional cooler. 
this is the character played by Patrick Swayze. As the film starts out, he is working one club, uh, supposedly in New York City, though it does not come off as New York to me. When no, that yeah, didn't yeah, come off as yeah. New York. But, um, but nonetheless, uh, Fr- Frank Tillman, Tillman, uh, he, he shows up there uh, to recruit Dalton to come help him out because he has a club way out in Jasper, Missouri called the Double Deuce. Oh, my God. They, they, talk about, like, names. 80s, we just knew how to name things in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, but he wants him to come to the Double Deuce to work his cooling magic, to be the cooler there who can bring his club into a better state of operation so that he can make the improvements and turn it into like the really world-class operation that he feels it could be. Well, when Dalton shows up, it's got Blues Brother chicken wire in front of the band, but it's not long after Dalton's there that they can remove the chicken wire and then the Jeff Healy band can play with no fear of a bar. Joe, that's that's visual storytelling. Of a bottle being thrown at them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, Dalton, of course, does go to Jasper he um, takes control. He implements his own vision on how things should be run. Um, along the way, meets a doc, right? We're talking about Dr. Elizabeth Clay, played by Kelly Lynch, <laughs> who I, I don't believe went on to too much. I mean, she had other roles, but I don't think ever had anything quite. This is probably the role she's best known for I I imagine. Think, at this point. Um, you know, they he comes she comes into his orbit i guess and they they end up striking up a romance so there we have our sort of romantic chemistry going on in the film um but he also comes into contact with the organized crime boss essentially although yeah. he presents himself as a businessman as most organized crime bosses do um Played by Ben Gazzara. It's, this so, is, it's so good. Oh, and it's so weird to me that this is how I originally know Ben Gazzara. <laughs> right. And then, I mean, we haven't really done Cassavetes on it, but like years later when I'm watching like Killing of a Chinese Bookie and Husbands, mm-hmm. and well, it, n- let alone The Big Lebowski and, uh, and Happiness and these other films that he did that are much different like kind of independent human yeah. psyche you know like that's brad wesley yeah right <laughs> <laughs> exactly so it, it's fun that uh Gazar is in there and and of course i would be totally remiss if i did not mention the presence of sam elliott as wade garrett as much yeah. as i may not love all of what sam elliott has said more recently he's just kind of he, he, he's a man of an older time that doesn't seem able to leave that time I still very much appreciate his screen presence. Sure. And this is one of his like few non-Western roles yeah. that really stands out to me. Although it is kind of a Western role. In it. Oh, well, this is definitely a Western yeah. film. With, I mean, many have said that, right? This is basically, you take that Western template, here comes this professional from outside who has these great skills, who's able to try to tame this wild frontier town or the, you know. Yeah. So it turns out, I didn't realize this, that bouncers... Uh, have a leader that's called the cooler. The bouncers bounce you out, but and they don't want you to get violent with the clientele. Right. If violence is required, the cooler will be there. Just show up. I immediately thought of the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise, where they're taking a profession in a, coincidentally, a bar setting and elevating the bartender or the bouncer into something mythic 
for yeah. for the sake of the of the film. It's 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 more than just you know making a jack and a coke all night long. It's you can sling those cocktails. It's not just the bouncer who I've never really been at a bar like the double deuce where a big fight breaks out and you know i of course would be cowering are you gonna try to convince us you haven't spent many nights in a place very similar to the double deuce i mean haven't you been to the texan more i i've been (laughs) in these places more in the last month than i've been in the last several years but i feel like we got maybe a half dozen in this city right lose maybe would be in that but it's 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 creating a script out of something that there should be no script and what's fascinating to me is that the, the cooler here, the professional, the guy that gets $5,000 up front and $500 a night, that's a lot of money, yeah. is a BMW, I'm sorry, Mercedes driving, but when you get to the place, you cover it with the cloth and you buy a beater because you know that it's going to get ruined yeah. every single oh, night. This ain't his first roadie. No, 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 no. He he's a pro. He's a pro. He he's... learned it all from Garrett. Let's be true. Yeah. But... Then he also is a master of Tai Chi and martial arts, and he's got a fantastic, um, I'm going to say it, physique. But he also chain smokes Marlboro Reds at 7 a.m. Like, the whole thing is just this bizarre picture. His hair is perfectly feathered, even in the wind, at all times. This is 1989 personified. This is a master class in 1980s hair. Um, (laughs) Both genders. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, both genders. Yeah, Uh, yeah. How do you not mention that he is also a... uh, NYU educated philosophy major. Right, which I've seen people claim that he, he never says he got his PhD. No. Does he? I, right. Oh, yeah, I, no, I, he just, I, I, I just thought bachelor's. Me, me too, but I've seen people make reference to like he has a PhD, and I'm oh. like, eh, I don't think he got that far. But Dr. Yes, Dalton. A, N, NYU philosophy yeah. uh, student, absolutely. Cocktail came out the year prior, by the way. We, we were going for themes in the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the idea of like the cooler, I because I, it wasn't even just he wasn't like a head bouncer, right? He, it, part of his uh, stipulations in taking the gig was you're going to run your business exactly like I tell sure, you to run it. Sure. So, I mean, he really was more like a GM, like he was a general manager. Yeah, I you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't watch this with my daughter. <laughs> Strategically, I chose not to. Uh, Point Break, I was okay with. This this one, I did not invite her to watch. But I did watch it with my, my lovely partner and wife, Erin. Um, and when, uh, y- you know, when... when um, oh, my gosh, I lost my train of thought. We're, we were just... GM. The, the GM, right. The, when, when he enters in and starts doing his stuff, I'm like, this is basically just an episode of Bar Rescue on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, th- w- with Dalton in the uh, Taffer role. as the <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah like the, the bartender, the, the cashier bartender is skimming. Yeah. Uh, he catches him do that. The yeah. One of the waitresses is dealing drugs in the bathroom, catches her doing the, that. The one skimming, by the way, John Doe from yeah. the, the band X. Yeah. Just to, yeah. Um, uh, so he, I mean, he goes in and does things that the owner could have done and would have seen and would have known, but he does it with such a plum and such uh yeah. swayziness. Well, yeah. he, he, he doesn't just know he's skimming. He's what is it like a, a buck, uh, you know, every yeah. six drinks oh, and yeah. every, you know, I'd reckon 150 a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. No, 150 a night. Oh, a yes, night. A okay. Night. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. Find and this was 89. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's also a bar where, I guess maybe it was just 89. This is just what happened in bars. I would have been a junior in high school, so I wouldn't have been at many bars uh, where 
sexism and um, uh, complete. Oh my god! Th- the complete uh, yeah. inappropriate uh, talking to and groping of women was just a thing. I guess it happened back in the in the late eighties, because. That's happening every single day. Well, it was, and it the was, women are always yeah. model gorgeous, and the guys are always like buffoonly ugly yeah. in these scenarios. Yeah. Um, speaking specifically of the one where the beautiful girl's with a total idiot, and uh, she's wearing a low cut shirt, and he goes, You like those? Give you $20. Uh, for $20, you can kiss them. And he just reaches well, no, out. It's actually the the woman's husband, right. supposedly, right. who's bartering this yes. deal. So like, the guy's yeah. like, uh, he just reaches out with both hands, grabs one breast in each hand, and just starts squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. Yeah. Are you going to kiss him or what? I don't have $20. Yeah. Fight ensues. Yeah. Enter Dalton to you know, come to the rescue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's. This, this oh, no, movie they, is so fucking stupid. <laughs> However, it is so fun in its stupidity, much like the first one that we yeah. watched, but in a completely different flavor. This one I I hadn't seen in a while. Okay. Uh, so this this isn't one that I necessarily return to. Um, I forgot how much I like this movie. <laughs> and I also forgot how much nudity was in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That I could, I was like, man, there's a lot more nudity, and, and it was like, 80? and then I looked at it, I was like, oh, this was rated R, because for some reason in my head it was yeah. PG-13 or PG. No, but I was like, whoa, no. there's, there's a, because all I could remember was, you know, uh, Wesley's girlfriend that scene where she dances. I didn't remember any of the other nudity. Oh, yeah, wow. well, I and remember I, that Kelly Lynch was nude. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. that very, very well. And I remember, <laughs> I mean, from my when I saw it, I saw this in the theater. I'm sure. Um, and that would have made a, an image because she's a gorge, gorgeous woman yeah. in this film. I mean, she really is. That stuck with me. The, the number one image that I had from the film, which I laughed when I saw it this time, was when the Wesley's like uh, martial arts master comes into the bar with a razor blade at the tip of his boot. Oh yeah! And for no reason at all, there's a gleam on it. Like the lighting doesn't change. Nothing. He did, his foot move. His foot position doesn't change. It's just bling. yeah. I remembered that so vividly that when it came back on, I, I might have applauded, you know, in, <laughs> as, as I watched this stupid thing. It reminds me of like the 80s Trident commercials where they would smile and then you'd see the little gleam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that yeah. was a very 80s thing. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, like the showdown between the two martial art masters uh, that ends, of course, with Brody uh, Superior. And then uh, the Tai Chi scenes where he's just smoked like half a pack of Marlboro Reds prior to the complete alignment and enlightenment of his body. Like I, th- I felt at the time that that didn't make any sense. It really doesn't make sense now. Yeah, he, um, he, he's just, uh, he, he is the yin and the yang. The cartoonish, all. yeah, the cartoonish supporting characters, the guy he's renting the loft from that's like Emmett. out straight out of central casting for Hillbilly. Uh, you know, and you, you, if you can accept the ride though, it's quite a fun ride until you get to the Ben Gazzara beating him up scene, which just doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Ben Gazzara. <laughs> well, I mean, did you see him in Cassavetes? He's, he's wounded. You know, that, right. that, that's, right. that's the Good only point. reason. This, this is a severely weakened Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's already, you know, traumatized after killing another man who pulled a gun on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's forced to. Come yeah. on. And, a, and is Garrett dead at this point too, right? Garrett, so he's emotionally... Yeah, oh yeah, Garrett's gone. Garrett, he's no, a, no, no. Garrett's not gone at that point. No, at the what, final scene he when was. No, when he kills Jimmy? No. No, but when he's... I'm talking about when he's fighting Wesley. Oh, when when yeah. he... Yeah, after at he... At the end. Yeah, because he, ta- he takes the knife that he pulls out of Garrett and 
that's what he uses to st- stab down the accelerator in the car, right, which right, is right. how the car yes. gets onto the property. Yes, yes. So, Whew, clever I know. I, I'm clever telling. Stuff. This is this is script writing 101. <sighs> yeah, th- th- I hadn't seen this in a long time either. I didn't see it in the theater back in the day because '89. I was not my. Th- for whatever reason, I, I probably had been taken to some R-rated films, but this was not one my dad chose to push for me to see. And I don't remember having a lot of awareness of it coming out. I mean, I, I knew who Swayze was because I remember Dirty Dancing and all that. But but nonetheless, this was one that I caught for the first time probably on HBO some night late, you know, in my early teens or whatever. And I, I'm sure the nudity was, was a big factor in, in what made me excited about it as was the fighting as was the violence um as was the corny one-liners you know that that are sort of peppered throughout here um in, in this film you know uh classics such as pain don't hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody ever wins a fight mm-hmm. and that's you know which there's some wisdom in i suppose you know the, the, just beyond it just being a corny line please don't forget uh does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. That's that's. I mean, a we, we could go around Robin yeah. for 20 minutes on this film. <laughs> the gorgeous doctor who lives in the middle of this country hospital, who I'm sure is hit on by every single man that lives there. She must be. Yeah. But uh, Patrick Swayze, of course, comes in, and I think that what I think you see it in her eyes that what wins her over to him because the next time they get together, I think, is that um, when she comes to the bar. When he's kicking ass in front of the bar, yeah. she's got that gingham dress on, and yeah. then they he, he drives her home in her car, and uh, they they kiss, or does he just say good night? But then she comes back like hungry for Swayze, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and so the courtship is very Swayze dominant. But what what wins her over was, I think, the NYU philosophy degree. Yes, that this is a thing. It's he's a thinking just, man who has a great body. Not just a hunk of meat, right? He's he's a hunk of meat with a brain attached to That's it. That's right. Yeah, which, and which, a soul. And, and we can all learn from that. I mean, this it's it's funny to watch this back to back with Point Break and the Bodhi character, which is so overtly trying to be this like spiritual Zen, Zen yeah. man, like who, who's sort of channeling philosophy through. You know, it, nature and in what motivates him to do these crimes and and all that stuff. Um, you know, paired with this, where there is also kind of an attempt to give that, although I think a much more ham-fisted one sure. and one that, but but in its own way, I think one that's easier to read as camp. Right? I think this is a film that I was experiencing through that lens of camp before I even knew what camp was. Right. If that makes sense. I enjoyed the vigilante ending where all of the townspeople that had been um, terrorized by Wesley all kill him in unison and yeah. and the cops show up. I didn't see anything. I yes. didn't see anything. There's a fucking crime scene Polar here. Polar bear fell on me. <laughs> right. And then and then cut to they're all Jeff Healy's playing. Yeah. He's new skinny dipping with I mean it's like the most joyous credits ending sequence right yeah. after this bloodbath yeah. and like and everybody's just covered up this huge cr- oh, I want to talk about Jeff Healy who I don't has fallen out of the public eye. Uh, well, but he, I remember he passed he, away. He passed Did away, he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. well that happens. Young. Uh, yeah, I remember he, like he had a summer. moment. I remember this is part of his moment. And I, when re-watching this as a musician who's never acted before, who is sight impaired, I thought that a pretty fantastic job, all things considered. 
Yeah, he's great. I I I remember that I don't Angel Eyes was that before or after this? Good question. I, w- I wonder if he had already had that because that that's the song that yeah. I most associate with Jeff Healy, and I I know the one of his that I would. The best on I the thought charts. it was after, but because I don't remember knowing. Who like I remember this movie introducing me to Jeff Hewitt. Well, I, yeah, I was gonna say like as as a the idea of him as a stage performer. <laughs> I think it's it's all about this film. It was released April that this movie was released, nineteen eighty nine. So it, he, oh, he, wow. he had a one two thing. Wow. Yeah, that was a big year for him. Yeah, this came out in May. So that and it's interesting that, that didn't get put on the soundtrack. I, if they had known it was going to blow up like that on radio, I bet they would have found a way to work it in. Um, Because he's doing a lot more kind of classic blues rock covers throughout the yeah. Did you look at the soundtrack? Isn't there like three Patrick Swayze songs on it? Maybe there just wasn't room for. uh... (laughs) There's at least the one. There's Cliff's Edge. Was oh yeah, in Raising Heaven (laughs) in Hell Tonight. That's another Swayze. Well, come on, she's like the wind. That was uh, yeah a big one around the time. Yeah, you got some Seeger on there. Otis Redding. I do like that there is a little bit of a, a nod to kind of classic soul. That, and I thought that, that I thought there. that scene was cute when they're trying to find a radio, a song on the radio to, to make love to. That yeah. They uh, no, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Otis yeah. Redding works every time. Yes. In the, in that case, these arms of mine. I don't. I don't know if I'd go for uh, respect, but <laughs> but it's a great song. I just wouldn't use that for you know that particular activity. Um, but yeah, going back to this film after so many years, it really is like this campy, g- uh, goofy, over the top, um, stupid, st- stupid, yeah. absolutely stupid. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I how can I mount a defense? But that I guess that's where I'm going. Is like it's I I get joy from it. I think it is a very memorable and worthy film but it is not a film that I'm ever going to try to make the case for anybody like you need to see Roadhouse or use it as an example other than like I could see maybe trying to think about camp in particular like that kind of alternative reading strategy like something that's so bad it's good that kind of thing I think you could use Roadhouse I'm saying you as in like Anthony or I if we were doing a class and we wanted to talk about camp reading strategies i could see putting it in that context and talking through it and thinking through some because when you break down the politics of it it's very retrograde and kind of conservative um you know women as sex objects rampantly on display though i will say you know swayze is also an an object of sorts especially once he gets shirtless which he does frequently Mm -hmm. in the film um you know but i think actually if we're comparing the two which we are to a certain extent Point Break is the one that actually has like an interesting and and it probably speaks to Bigelow's strength as a director if we go back to Joe's original point that I think she comes away with a much more balanced kind of uh, sexuality on film Mm -hmm. right like that because a lot of people we didn't really belabor it but a lot of people have made the point that Bodie and uh, and Utah are kind of like a romantic couple, couple basically, yeah. right? I mean, like he can't shoot him; he's kind right. of in love with him, he's, right? You know, like uh, he, Bodhi saves him from the four-on-one beat down with the surfers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And well, and then ultimately at the end, he doesn't. He chooses not to take him in. He lets him go surf that final wave and go out the way that he wants to. He's right. gives, you know, kind of gives him that thing. So, 
you know, I, th I think there's something interesting in watching these. But like it, it, Point Break, yes, has maybe almost some potential for that kind of campiness to it. But it never, doesn't quite get there. And there's enough that kind of keeps it on the other side of the equation for me that it just feels like a more earnest action film, even though it has these goofy moments. I mean, right down to like the robbers are surfers, you know, like, but <coughs> Roadhouse leans right into oh, yeah. the, the, the kookiness. Yeah. Yeah. A, if you're going to dismiss the work of Rowdy Harrington, I'm going to break this bottle over the table and throw you through it, and we're going to see if Anthony can stop us. B, did you know that Annette Bening was originally cast as the doctor, but she was fired because she and Patrick Swayze had no chemistry and was replaced by Kelly Lynch? Well, that's, I mean, the only alternative would have been if they had uh, kicked out Swayze and brought Warren Beatty in. I mean, oh. it would have been an early bit. <laughs> right. Robert? Because Benning and Beatty. They, <laughs> yeah, Beatty as the cooler in this film. I'd, I'd watch that movie. It would have been an interesting yeah. choice. Right. The Tai Chi would be different. Yeah. But. No, but it, but I, I had seen that bit of trivia, too. And it's hard for me to fathom Annette Benning in that role. I, I, I mean... Oh, I find her to be a lovely, lovely woman. Oh, sure. But, I mean... It, no, it's not no. a demanding role. <laughs> She's not a small town doctor. Uh, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, yeah. Swayed by a philosophy major. Right. The, this film is even more cliche ridden. I mean, when you talk about what you just said about like every bar scene is the breakaway chairs, the breakaway tables, yeah. the, the bottles over the head. Right. I mean, this film opens up. Who uh, goes to that bar? Yeah. Well, with that uh, reputation. Apparently everybody. I it's so. Jasper, Missouri. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, there I, might not be very many other places to go. I'll Google it. Um, but, uh, I mean, the, the movie opens with, you know, it, it might be one of like the sort of hallmarks of like eighties. It was a sports car door opens up woman stepping out, but you see yeah. the shoe. I mean, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. slow, oh, and then the, slow the, crawl right, up the, the back to her butt. And, yeah. You know, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was as eighties as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. but I, I love Every moment of it, I, I every. I'm not going to argue with you. This is, but damn it, it's. I, and I and I resist the term guilty pleasure because I don't like it. I'm like, if you take pleasure in it, you just own it. Don't don't say you have guilt over it. But this is as close to a guilty pleasure as I have. Where like because I do recognize some of how bad it is. I there's parts of me that are like, well, I really shouldn't enjoy this as much as I am enjoying it. But the the reality is is that I do. Yeah, and and I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting. I'll be I'll be curious what the combo is uh, this week on social media, yeah. especially on Discord, where where we tend to have these chats um, to to see what other folks think. Because Point Break was picked for us, mm -hmm. and, and I'm excited to hear what people think about our take on it. Is anyway, but this is the one that we decided to pair with it. Yeah. And I feel like this is the one that might push some people a little too far. It'll be huh. interesting. I, I don't know. I, I I feel like of the two, it's it's the more controversial. I I can't tell you how. I mean, I was giddy um, when we landed on this. Good. Um, Good. I mean, it it really was like these are two movies, you know. So, and I'm a little older than both of you. So I was 19 when Point Break came out. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Roadhouse came out 21 with Point Break. This was, you know. Yeah, these are my college years. Sure. Yeah. So you, were you know, there. these are very, very fond yeah. times, mm -hmm. and having seen both of these in the film. Did you take up tai chi? I took up drinking. Okay. <laughs> you took up brawling and yeah, drinking. Yeah. The well, you've continued drinking with us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Before we oh, segue, okay. <laughs> I can't believe that nobody mentioned that they replaced John Doe as bartender with Keith David. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, Keith, which. 
sadly doesn't get enough screen time. No, I mean, like we, we bear, but you're right. I mean, the, the, it, the, when the second string is that awesome in a movie like this, that that speaks to it yeah. as well. I mean, it's kind of it's it's similar to what what we were saying with uh, with Point Break, where it's just like when you think about all these people, and it's not like they were huge stars or yeah. anything, but just like great actors. I mean, Gazara, the fact that this is how I originally know it still. <laughs> yeah blows my mind that Ben Gazzara is the performer that he actually was, but that this is the first role I knew him in. And don't let's, I, I know there's a few people, a little bit of overlap with wrestling. So we can't forget Terry Funk as well That's as right. Morgan. And um, I, are they Texas based? The Funk family? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, I, I actually, of all the, the research I did for Roadhouse, it was on Terry Funk <laughs> just because I remember, um, it was a little bit before this in the mid eighties when he was the most popular with the WWF, I guess at Is the that time. Right? Yeah. So I was like, Oh, and yeah. And he had like, I, you know 50- what? I was, I was thinking of the Von Erics. He's actually out of Indiana. The, the Funk family is oh, out of Indiana. Okay. The, the Von Erics are the ones that are the Texas. Yeah. There's, and there's a film in the works. Yeah, the I think there is, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. The Iron Claw. And I think there's a Terry Von Eric. That's what they're, but yeah, Ter- Terry, Terry Funk, Funk is awesome. Yep. And, and again, as Morgan, the kind of, I guess he was the cooler prior to, is that, because he was kind of the lead. Yeah. And, the, and he Although he wasn't doing much coolering. No, he yeah. wasn't. He was a bad cooler, but he was, <laughs> he was the one who gets pushed out by Dalton. Um, yeah. But he was very, very convincing in that. Yeah. Absolutely. Three on the tree. Real Ale's 10th visit here with us at Beer in the Movie. Making Joe drink a rice lager. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I, I always love a new adventure. Um, but again, it's not my favorite style, but I can tell you that I believe that it's a very solidly produced rice lager. And if it is your jam, you should jam on it. Yeah. I think, I think to me, and I'm, I, you know, this is no, you're the rice lager expert in the room. Let's be honest. I, well, I'm the lager guy. And yeah. well, although Anthony, likes am, his yeah. lagers, but you know, on the beer and a movie podcast, I am one of the voices, probably the most prominent who is always championing those crispy beers, those those crisp light lagers. Mm-hmm. Because I live in a hot place. I don't want to be drinking heavy beer all the time. And to me, Real Ale, they have made another big winner. I mean, they already have Hans's Pills is one of my favorites of yeah. all time. I know it is. Um, they have their Crispy Business more recently that's come out that I really like. I've had that a few times. That's a lager. This one is right in there. Like th- this to me, the the hop character is a bit dialed back. Um, so in that sense, I probably prefer Hans's a little bit because it kind of leans into that. I get that little bitter snap at the end. But this one is so easy to drink. Um, nice balanced flavor. It's not too sweet. Sometimes with the you know kind of um, a rice or corn lager, you can you can end up kind of getting into that sweet syrupy territory. This one is really clean, really easy to drink. I don't know, Anthony, w- w- did this work for you? I thought it would be bigger. <laughs> I loved it. This, <laughs> this is this, this this works for me. Um, yeah, I I, I I I do love a good lager. I I was just thinking about the uh, weekend of lawn mowing that I just had this weekend, and this, how this is a perfect lawn mowing. How a cooler here. full of these would have been a a very welcome addition to that task. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. This is this after is, a few of these, the lines get a little more wavy in the lawn, but. Well, you try to wait till near the end of the mowing session to really indulge, right? But yes, this is, to me, this is... That's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> this is a textbook summer beer 
I'm going to want this in my cooler, in the backyard. I'm grilling. Yeah, absolutely. Real ale, congratulations. You have done it again. And thank you for washing the terrible taste of that gimmick beer. <laughs> Sorry, Martin House. I, I just got to be you, honest. You know you we love you. You make some great beer. You know you we love you, Martin beer. House, but what are you doing? <laughs> and I think all of our teeth are back to its original color. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, all, almost. Just in time know. for a photo. <laughs> well, guys... I got to say, we've done it again here, right? We've had a great conversation. I was excited about talking about these two films. Well, how could you not be, right? This this was a a fun episode. Um, And love that our our listeners kind of chimed in to help us do it. And the the way that happens is that Beer in a Movie doesn't end with these episodes that you listen to. It extends out onto those social media platforms. We're there on Facebook if you want to find us. Mm -hmm. We're there on Instagram, of course, if you want to see us. Um, we, we have our own website if, if you want to go there and Joe puts together some curated list of episodes that you can, I'm sure there's going to become maybe a Swayze list at some point I don't know it, it, we'll have to do another Swayze episode I guess Donnie Darko is my nomination <laughs> I'd, I'd love to do it um, so all of that stuff is great and also through our our website although you could go directly there through T Public, we have a little merch store if you'd like to go there and you can pick up various forms of uh, you know bling and, yeah. and uh, whatnot that would have t-shirts and mugs and all, and all that fun stuff um, and and I think most importantly if you're going to engage with us online come over to Discord ah. if, if, if you can't find us under Beer in a Movie the conversation continues ask us on those other social media platforms we'll send you an invite no doubt We've also mentioned, I think, a little bit, though not as much as we normally do. I don't know. This almost feels like an after-hours episode in Mm -hmm. a strange way. Um, That we do an extra bonus episode every week. We call it After Hours. And the way you get access to that is you go to Patreon. Uh, You sign up at patreon.com slash beerinamoviepodcast. And that's where if you give us, uh, you know, I think we ask $5 a month. You get that Excuse bonus me. episode where we talk about, yeah, we talk about films, yeah, we talk about beer, but we also talk about a whole host of other things, yeah. uh, what, what's going on in our lives, other things that we're paying attention to, concerts we've been to, yeah. a lot of talk about concerts. Lately. Concerts we're Fun going stuff. to. Um, also, we know you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, but before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so that the algorithm can do what it do mm-hmm. and put us out there as an option for more listeners you've just experienced another action-packed Swayze-licious episode of beer in a movie until next time ah <clears throat> I'm an FBI agent 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 agent